Welcome to season one, episode two of Digital Dissection, where we take a closer and possibly unnecessary look into some of our favorite properties. Today's episode dives deep into the first entry in the Back to the Future trilogy, examining the rules this first movie holds to itself and the implications that are often ignored by viewers. Now, before we get into the episode, we'd like to address a few housekeeping items. Now, Digital Dissection is hosted by Joe and Mark. Those are the two guys talking to you today. We are a homegrown operation that thrives on your likes, comments, and your subscribing. So you can join the conversation on YouTube at the Digital Dissection Podcast, as well as on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Digital Dissect One or Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. Joe, it may seem like we're being overly nostalgic out the gate with two juggernauts from the 80s, but that's not really by design, is it? No, no. I mean, the 80s are the closest we've been since the 1920s in a long time when it was an era of conspicuous spending for those who are the biggest conspicuous spenders. So uh, people lived big in the 80s because we could. And because of that, it's left a pretty big mark on... Uh, on our American culture. Yeah, the movies and the music definitely made it, you know, past the the test of time. Unfortunately, hot pink t-shirts and short shorts Oof. just didn't quite, unfortunately. No, there. leg warmers and curb feelers have both died out, although one of the two attempted to make a small comeback there for just a hot second. <laughs> well, <laughs> one thing that, that has changed noticeably, I would say, is that time travel has changed mm -hmm. quite a bit since 1985, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. Um, when you look at how time travel is usually done in movies, um, it's done in typically about four or five ways. And one that actually um, predates Back to the Future is actually the realistic method of time travel, where you can time travel is basically a one way trip um, in that you're not allowed to go back to the past uh, because it plays off of um, Einstein's theory of relativity and mm -hmm. uh, time dilation, um, where the closer you get to the speed of light, you observe space differently than everyone else who's moving slower than you are. Mm -hmm. Therefore, as you approach that speed, um, what feels like uh, seconds or even like days to you is going to be years for everyone else who's experiencing it um, at a slower speed. So you just kind of keep propelling yourself further and further into the future compared to everyone else. So that's what mm -hmm. Planet of the Apes did uh, in the 70s with Heston. Um, which is why he thinks he's somewhere else, but he's really just on Earth with all those damn dirty apes. <laughs> um, uh, that also gets done again in Ender's Game. They do the same thing. Um, other than that, you kind of get like um, these like uh, they're like self-consistent or basically do-over mentalities where you get to um, come from the future, go back to a past event and redo it. And you keep the knowledge each time you make it further into the future of when you go back to the past every single time. But everything else kind of remains static. So even if you see your, like your past self, they just kind of keep playing out the same thing over and over again. And that's like what happens in Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. He just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again. And even though that one's a little different where he doesn't run into, I don't think he runs into past versions of himself, everything else behaves exactly like it did because that's just what time is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
other than that, uh, you also have kind of like the, like the Doctor Who mentality, of which case you can just kind of go back whenever you feel like and do whatever you feel like. And it's going to just basically change the outcome of the future. It doesn't set, doesn't create anything new. It's just now the future does this instead. But time is also this weird, like conscious construct, in which case there are fixed points in history that no matter what you try and do, they will always happen. So like one of my favorite uh, Doctor Who episodes that was out there, um, the Vincent Van Gogh episode with the 11th Doctor, where no matter what they did, they actually brought Vincent Van Gogh into the future. And if you haven't seen this yet, um, it's been, I don't know, forever and a day. I'm not spoiling it too bad. I'm sorry, but I guess spoiler warnings. They bring <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh into the future. He sees he was a success, even though he wasn't one in his own lifetime. He still ends up going crazy, chopping off his ear, eventually takes his own life um, sort of thing. So there's just fixed points in history. No matter what you do, uh, it doesn't get to change it. Um, yeah. And then there's one, actually, before we explain like the last way, we might as well just explain kind of how it works in Back to the Future, where, where you go into the back and the, you go back in the past. The very act of you going back into the past now changes the flow of time or changes the future. And so yeah. everything you do will basically create a new timeline. Um, yeah, so... which, which is, you know, I think from mm -hmm. you know, the, the creators of, of Back to the Future, you know, Robert Zemeckis and, mm -hmm. and Bob Gale, you know, I think for them, it was it was much easier just to, you know, pick a, a central point in time mm -hmm. and then have that influence, you know, the rest of, of what occurs. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's that's not necessarily um, time fluidity, which is what mm -hmm. you mentioned a little bit more of with Doctor Who, where, mm -hmm. you know, events are concurrent. They, yeah. they happen. And regardless of where you observe that event, they've either happened or they haven't. Right. That's correct. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's interesting to, uh, to see how much changes have occurred with, mm -hmm. with the idea of time travel since yeah. then. Um, and it's hard to believe that 1985 is, that long ago <laughs> yeah i mean i still think of like 30 years ago oh that was the 1970s that's no big deal <laughs> but oh wait no 30 years ago was you know 1990 um one at this point so that's weird yeah yeah, yeah it's still it's not i'm not used to it i i, I, I absolutely yeah i i absolutely am not used to it yet but <laughs> you know what the good news here is that there's a lot of good nostalgia attached to, to back to the future yes and mm -hmm. and rather than dive into you know how we came into the property like we did with ghostbusters mm -hmm. you know I, I think what would be really interesting is is to analyze um exactly how doc brown dr emmett brown you know the the main one of the main characters of this movie he really manipulates time in a way that's advantageous only to himself and analyzing some of that um, is, is pretty unique because on its head back to the future looks like um, just, just like a plucky comedy, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it seems that way. I mean, you have, you have a high school kid who has uh, uh, the girl of his dreams meets a plucky disgraced nuclear physicist. And we have a movie, <laughs> which Something that uh, for for those listening at home. Mm -hmm. So Joe and I have talked about this topic many times, but one of the ones that I find interesting, well, we will throw one of those top mm -hmm. ten trivia things out at you here, um, is exactly how 
uh, Marty McFly and Dr. Emmett Brown met. And and Joe, I'm not sure if you remember this story, but I'm I'm prepared to tell it if you haven't. You you go right there. And for those uh, for the John Mulaney fans out there, um, the bit is still fantastic because to figure this out, um, you could watch all three movies and it's never said. And all in three movies, they never say how uh, Marty and Doc meet. You basically have to find that out all on your own, which um, when you were once basically just withheld to VHS, I don't see how it was possible. No, no. And, and, no. and actually, it wasn't possible until years after the movie came out, because, mm-hmm. you know, once again, this is this is one of those those things where you've you've watched you know, Ghostbusters and you, you view it a different way as a child and as an adult with back to the future it's kind of the same way you you watch this movie and you're just interested in in the action that happens but really why would a teenager be hanging out with an elderly person that he's not related to and be performing these experiments right yeah so, i'm lost on it i didn't hang out with elderly people when i was 14 years old i don't know right? he's 7 yeah. take it back he's 17 in which case i still do not hang out with the elderly when i was 17 years old i do now in some cases that's mostly because of my line of work and i can't help that well, and we don't need to go into those court cases either, but no, no. But it, it's it's actually a story that uh, co-creator Bob Gale uh, mentioned uh, about the the origins of the Back to the Future story, and Emmett Brown basically gets this this reputation in the town that he's in, which you know is is pretty prevalent in the film itself, but. Mm-hmm. Marty McFly hears about Emmett Brown and he hears about this secret lab that he has. And so he's just naturally interested in it. So what does he do? He does what any teenager would do. And he into the lab. Yeah. He commits a little like, you know, B and E, right. Well, who but, doesn't, who doesn't, we've all been there. <laughs> well, you know, and that's, that's, that is one of the few things about Dr. Emmett Brown today that we will mention is, is not going to make him a time monster Mm-mm. instead of, you know, uh, calling the police and, and having Marty spend a night in the tank. He just introduces him to what he's doing. Yeah, you know? uh, Doc Brown is actually very happy that someone doesn't think he's uh, he's a lunatic or that he's basically a, I guess a bad person. And I don't want to say bad person, but he doesn't think Doc is crazy. And this is new and refreshing to Doc Brown. So uh, after learning this, he instead just decides to show Marty around. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that, and that kind of brings us fast forward, if you will, to you know ripping off Libyans for for, <laughs> for radioactive material, uh, mm-hmm. and and sending people you know back to the past, as it will. But you know, mm-hmm. w- since you and I have talked about this topic many times, I think it's it's actually more interesting that. Um, people don't actually talk about this in the way that, that we have. No, no, they don't. Because a lot of times when people bring up um, what we're going to bring up, they refer to uh, Back to the Future uh, parts two and three. So then mm-hmm. those are those are my very, very like glaring like mistakes, not mistakes, but they're they're very glaring issues where because of certain events, other things either shouldn't be possible or or someone should be dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is the the absolutely tragic case of what we'll be discussing today and no this isn't true crime this is just mm-hmm. analyzing deeply part one of back to the future so the reason why we want to talk about part one and kind of isolate it to that conversation is exactly what joe just mentioned back to the future one really behaves within its own rules and those rules actually change somewhat as we go through part two and part mm-hmm. three 
And so, yeah, you, you, you get these rule changes kind of on the fly, you know, it's almost like playing a game that your friend made up on the schoolyard. And then what, right when you start winning, they're like, no, we're going to reframe this so that you can't. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. it, It just, it just changes a little bit each time. So yeah. So the, the big thing here, what we want to point out, and this is probably going to make the, the thumbnail for the episode is that there is no scenario in back to the future one where there is not a Marty McFly who is either erased by time or, you know, dies in a, a very, uh, I'm, I'm assuming very painful way. You would think, yeah. Like it, they can't see, um, being written out of history as a, as a painless process. I would assume it would be at, at minimum, you know, a little uncomfortable, right? Very. I mean, I mean, there's even at one point in the movie where we start to see it happen to, uh, who we'll refer to as like basically Marty a, uh, as we go on here. Uh, mm-hmm. When he sees his hand being unwritten, like he does not look comfortable in that scene at all. And this has to have happened. The, uh, the unwriting process uh, to at least one Marty McFly in this movie. Yeah. So and- yeah, we didn't even, we didn't even talk about the fact that, um, you know, this happened to two other people before it started happening to Marty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because even, even Doc Brown references that this isn't a very good picture because they cut your brother's head off. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're like the McFly family having breakfast like they do, you know, like Marty walks out and everybody's there and you're his older brother just, you know, just chowing down and all of a sudden half of your head's gone. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. And then let's think about that too, because it's not like Marty where his hand slowly disappears and it's, oh no, my hand is gone. I'm, I'm sweaty. My, my knees are weak. My arms are heavy, except for the one that's disappearing. Um, yeah. This guy's head is just gone. So without the head, his body can't just actively do stuff. So like your body's going to flop over the table, alcoholic mom and completely nervous wreck. Weird dad are watching this happen. Well, and the sister too, though. And I the mean, sister too. Yeah. Cause she, she disappears totally different from the same mm-hmm. way that, that, that Marty does. So for some reason it's like, you know, who decided, you know, Zemeckis and, and Gail back in the trailer writing this thing, you know, who <laughs> like, yeah, hey, you know what, let's, let's have the sister and the brother literally get decapitated by time. Mm-hmm. And and then Marty gets this distinctive, you know, classy side death wiping. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this slow exit stage left because God. it's his left hand that's going away. But yeah, brother and sister just off with her head immediately. And this isn't to detract from what we're going to talk about in, a, in just a mm-hmm. few moments. But honestly, when we talked about horrific implications of this movie, <laughs> I didn't even think about this part being no, and up there. Also, this part is no one's fault, I guess, except Marty's. Because he done screwed up and didn't let his dad get hit by a car. It is true. Yeah, so I guess, like, for those of you listening, hopefully you've heard your parents tell the story of how they've met. I have heard mine. <laughs> I know where they met and I know how things, I know how things happened. And in the event that I go back in time, it's actually pretty safe because no one gets hit by a car. Um, but yeah, if you know how your parents met and you go back in time, you just let them be. Yeah, Otherwise mom, someone's losing a head slowly, but surely mom, dad, if you're listening to this, um, I promise that I will never wind up in Hawaii <laughs> in the late 1970s. <laughs> I, I will just, you know, I'll just probably hang out. Uh, in yeah. California for a bit. Mm-hmm. Or heck, even if you you do end up in Hawaii in the late 1970s, uh, there's 
just so much more things you could do other than hang around your parents. It's Hawaii. Yeah. Enjoy well, yourself. I, I, I just not to get too far away from what we're trying to focus on, but I just realized <laughs> that if I did hang out in California in the seventies, mm -hmm. I mean, that was literally during the time of the night stalker. And, oh, Oh, get out of there. And, Dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of, yeah. Speaking of losing your head. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Great, great segue, but, but either way, yeah, it's just just absolutely horrifying to think that you could just be <laughs> enjoying your dinner and all of a sudden your son, your daughter's heads are gone and you have literally no explanation of what's going on. Like what, what's just, happening? They're just, I'm, they're just there shouting. That has to be it. They're just screaming <laughs> oh at the breakfast table uh, because their children's heads are just they're gone. They're broke. They have no money. Their pets' heads are falling off. Like what? You, what's next? What's next? I, I shouldn't be laughing at this. <laughs> but but i am but yeah <laughs> well either either way moving on we'll, moving we'll, on moving on let's get back to what we're we're focusing on today if you haven't watched back to the future we're not going to make fun of you well at least not to your face but nope it's been out for a while so yep. you know there, yeah, there there's no spoiler alert here mm -hmm. because it, it shouldn't be necessary but the photo that marty mcfly has with him in the past it shows his brother and his sister and him if we're looking at things based on, you know, things being erased by history, wouldn't it be safe to assume that Marty wouldn't be the last thing to be erased from the photo? Yeah, that that's clearly like that has to be like that is a that I think that's like a Zemeckis method of just showing that the character is running out of time to complete what he's doing, <laughs> because really. They should all just be unwritten at the same time. It shouldn't be, oh, well, mom and dad don't get together. Therefore, kid number one slowly disappears first, then two, then me. Um, that, you wouldn't, that, that shouldn't be how it works. It should just be, nope, you're all gone. Either that they're all gone, yeah. mm -hmm. or I would assume that the further that, that time, you know, timeline A, right, the one that mm -hmm. the original Marty comes from, yep. the more that we deviate from that, I would think the last actions of things from that universe would be unwritten first, right? It's, it's order of operations, but the, the other way around. Right. Mm -hmm. that, so whenever I looked at that, I always went, you know, Marty probably should have been the first thing to erase in that photo. Mm -hmm. But then again, we wouldn't have much of a movie at that point. Yeah, so that's true. Yep. We have to have a slight bit of plot armor for Marty here. <laughs> of if which, we completely strip yeah. him of that, we have no movie. Yeah. And I think we've danced around it long enough, but we can definitely get to the point of mm -hmm. one, why we think Doc Brown is a, a monster of time travel, but I, I let's just nip it right in the butt. You know, let's do it. Yeah. There, there's a reason why Marty does not survive or at least one version of Marty. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go into some crazy storytelling here for just a moment, just to frame this out a little bit. Okay. Because in the first movie we're introduced to two timelines, right? We've got timeline A, so we've got original Marty. Mm -hmm. We're introduced to original Doc Brown, who is deceased, by the way, because the, the properties of this you know, universe don't involve fluidic time travel, right? Mm -hmm. So in this case, Doc Brown is functionally you know, bodied. He is dead, mm -hmm. right? He's been shot up. So timeline A, Doc Brown is dead. Um, the mall is obviously called Twin Pines Mall. Yeah, the, the at that the, time uh, mm -hmm. the, land, the land of old man Peabody, who was a, you know he was obsessed with breeding pine trees. He he was gonna get there. He probably well, sounds like he, you know. he. I think he knew what he was doing. Oh, he, he knew what he was doing. However, no one was buying what yeah. he was selling, and that's why we got a mall. 
But at not, minimum, though, not a those nursery tree, of pines. A pine those two trees were having fun, though. Oh, yeah. Twin pines, man. We, we remember them forever. That's why the mall is named after them. Yeah. Stuff you can't show, you know, on TV. It'd be an edited version. But either way, we're getting away from it a little bit. But mm-hmm. his parents are down their luck. All right. Timeline A is just not good to the McFly family. You know, Biff mm-hmm. reigns supreme over them. Yep. You know, he's driving drunk in their car, which apparently he wasn't aware blind spots existed. No. And I don't know how you'd be aware of a blind spot when you smash the front end of your vehicle, too. <laughs> also a weird thing. Biff might be lying about something here. We may have to discredit his character a little bit. He doesn't seem like he's as nice as he's trying to lay on. Yeah. And to his discredit, though, he is drunk. So maybe that's part of it. But he is a little drunk. Yes. But, you know, either way. Um, and to round out the, you know, the the unfortunate scenario for the McFly, his his brother and sister are frankly, you know, kind of on the underpants of society. You know, they're yeah. they're they're just kind of living at home, you know, and, and this is no offense against folks that, you know, that work in the fast food industry. But, no, no, you no. know, the, mm-hmm. the, the picture they were framing is that it's not it's not high society. It's not high society mm-hmm. living at all. And, and so timeline A is, is obviously not the most ideal for these characters, but either way, you know, at, at the, at the experiment where the DeLoreans unveiled and we kick on off to 1955, there's a few details that are important to pay attention to. And one of the big ones is that the Libyans are chasing Marty mm-hmm. and Marty is driving his DeLorean directly towards this photo booth, right? Yes. And he disappears just before hitting that photo booth. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Libyans obviously crashed through that. So in timeline B, right? So Marty goes back to 1955 and has himself a grand old time, uh, altering things from his family's past. Well, we get to timeline B where original Marty exists and we have doc B, right? Doc Brown side B. Yeah. He has to be. Yep. He's survived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's a totally different guy. He survived the events of the changed 1955. Mm-hmm. So he's introduced to the flux capacitor and, and the time machine after he literally just hit his head on the sink. Yep, so he drew and that out and then he get, actually gets to see it right yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He gets to see the immediate fruits of his labor, mm-hmm. right? And and in this case, a, it was a concussion most likely. Yep. Um, but Timeline B features a Doc Brown who lived his entire life knowing that he was successful, knowing that mm-hmm. he created this, this magical tool that can take you throughout time. Um, so already we've got different characters that have a different frame than the original ones did, right? The ones that we first get introduced to in the movie. Um, one of the slight Easter eggs, though, that I mentioned with Twin Pines Ball is that when Marty goes back, obviously he runs over mm-hmm. one of those pines. He so did. He, got, he took one of those out, yeah. He got Lone Pine Mall. Which is a great, great little, yeah, Easter egg or like attention to detail that they did put in that movie. Very fun. And it's easy to miss too, by the way, because Mm -hmm. I mean, I think even as a kid, I, I missed that detail for a good decade before, you know, the graininess of VHS went away and Mm -hmm. and higher clarity was provided, but you know, it's, it's definitely an easy one to miss, but, but ultimately though, we've, yeah, we've got, we've got two timelines now. So we have the timeline A, we've got timeline B. So how is Marty McFly dead is what the real question is. That's, a, that's where I think we're and all wondering. Like, Mark, yeah. we, need to, we need to get this story going. How is he dead? Because <laughs> everything seems like it's fine. All that's changed is we've lost a pine tree. But no. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've more. lost a pine tree. And 
and and someone punched a rapist, right? Like that's really the mm-hmm. big difference so far. Yep. Well, going back to the photo booth and going back to Marty driving through it, when he comes back to the timeline B of 1985, mm-hmm. basically witnesses the exact same events unfold that happened to him when he left. Yeah. You know, the Libyans roll up, mm-hmm. they shoot up Doc Brown. Yep. You see Marty take off in the DeLorean. And that Marty existed in that timeline for his entire life. Yeah. Marty B was always there uh, in this newly adjusted timeline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there, so there's Marty B who, which sounds like a, you know, Cardi B, but, um, but, but (laughs) Marty B (laughs) has lived out his entire life in this, this changed universe where Mm -hmm. the McFly's are, are, you know, they're successful people. You've got subservient Biff who, you know, he was uh, punched in the face by George McFly, mm-hmm. and now he's doing all their auto detailing, right? Yeah, which, by the so, way, um, I'd like to point out, when you see that 85 Toyota black pickup truck, um, Biff did a heck of a job on that. Oh, he did. I'm going to throw that out there. As someone who's had to buff before, and mm-hmm. I used to have like, the, the advantage of using like a, a buffing machine, um, yeah, black, stupid hard to buff. Good job on that one, Biff. That's the one thing I give you. Great job on that one. <laughs> And at minimum, we've got two coats on that thing. I don't think minimum. he was lying No, on he one. definitely didn't skip, which is probably why he wanted to skip on the second coat in the BMW because pff, the time into that truck, get out of here. I mean, he spent all that time making that truck look like a, a snack and you just <laughs> you just don't want to go back and have to do it all over again. No, you know, the, no, day's, no. the day's running out of daylight, right? Mm-hmm. But but either way, you know, get, getting back to this photo booth, I know I've mentioned it a couple times. Mm-hmm. So... Marty B drives through directly the same trajectory, right to that same photo booth. And all of a sudden, poof, he's gone. Just like Marty A was. Just like he was supposed to. Yeah. So if we're talking about, let's just, and I'm not a physicist by any means. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just kind of have watched several bits of sci-fi here. And, and I think one good example would be the the show fringe, right? If you remember Mm -hmm. the, the Fox show that lasted for about five seasons um, had uh, you know pretty awesome cast on it. But the, the long story short, what Fringe talked about was these these universes coming together and overriding each other because you know two objects can't occupy the same space, right? Mm-hmm. So when you think about it through that framing, because of of what we have as evidence here there's not really a possible way for both Marty's to exist if they're occupying the same plane. And at this point in time, they literally do occupy the exact same moment in 1955. Yep. Yeah. When Marty a went through the, went through the barn, Marty B is going through the exact same barn, the exact same trajectory. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. He's going towards the same barn on old Peabody's, you know, uh, plot of land there. Mm -hmm. And so it, there basically what happens right like there's there's people who would say like I, I can already think of folks that would say well it's possible that they just shared memories and all of a sudden you know we've got the same marty occupying the same vessel right? yeah but that's not how that's how time travel works in harry potter but that is not how time travel was laid out to work in this movie that's the problem that, that's where the issue lies well, and, and there's one way to immediately trump that point of mm-hmm. view, which is why I wanted to bring it up because I could immediately disprove it, was that Marty, when he comes back to timeline B, mm-hmm. he doesn't know about any of these events. He doesn't know that his 
his uh, sister is now the talk of the town and has guys calling her all the time, which nope. seriously, guys, she can only date one person at one time. Come on. You know, mm-hmm. his, his brother is no longer working fast food. He always wears a suit no. to the office. Always. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and Marty has absolutely no knowledge of any of these things. He mm-hmm. doesn't know that his, his father's written a book. You know, uh, you know, he has no idea that the car's not told or totaled anymore. Yep. So immediately we can disprove that there's a chance that they've like, you know, mind melded, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if they did, okay, well then Marty would just be living his life, his best life possible. Yeah, there would be no shock at the end of the movie. Yeah, exactly. So the reason why Dr. Emmett Brown is a monster is because there's only two people who really know about what happened to impact the past, right? Mm-hmm. And of those two people, there's one who benefits the most here. And it's the guy who would have got shot up by Libyans, okay? It's Doc Brown himself. Yep. He he keeps the letter that Marty McFly gives him and claims that he tore it up. And he uses it to save his own ass. Mm -hmm. Well, that on its head isn't really all that inherently evil, right? Like, we, we all would do something like that. If we could... If we could directly impact events that, you know, maybe seemingly altered things in the smallest ways, sure, whatever. Yeah, but that's a big way. That's, that's a yeah. big way. Avoiding your own death. Come on. True. Yeah. Right. It, mm-hmm. it kind of it, it basically violates his own prime directive here. But but that's not the detail I want to focus on. The detail is that Dr. Emmett Brown knows that Marty B will exist in this universe like having no knowledge whatsoever mm-hmm. that what's about to happen that night involves him being overwritten by time. Yep. That's what makes Emmett Brown inherently evil because it's, 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 it's funny you would mention Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's almost reminiscent of, of what uh, Snape and Dumbledore do when they realize that Harry has to die in order for the events to truly unfold. You know, like a pig. And one of them is okay with that. Just like Doc Brown is definitely okay with, uh, you know, Marty B. McFly dying. Yeah. Yeah. And the only difference, though, is that Doc Brown says, I figured, what the hell? Yep. He just (laughs) throws that out there, like, yeah, you know, forget about it. Why (laughs) not? it's okay you only live once right that's that's what the kids are saying no they're not saying that anymore that was that was a long time ago but that is his that's his methodology more or less is he figures basically why not yeah exactly Mm -hmm. i figure what the hell and and so you know as i watched that movie as a kid i i i always took a step back for a moment because how on earth could you look at it as a comedy anymore (laughs) when you realize that when you know that doc brown's a bit of a monster he really is yeah i mean Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it, man. Like he he did something horrible to his his poor dog, right? You remember Einstein? You know, yep. he's mm-hmm. adorable. He's long haired. He's shaggy, and this dog is spending like just massive amounts of time by himself with food he doesn't even want to eat. No. I mean, I mean, you 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 saw that in the beginning of the film, right? Like, yep. I mean, there was a ton. I mean, that's not like Doc Brown and 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 uh, like yeah, like you were alluding to the beginning of the film. Um, we've got the robot arm feeding the dog food and that dog food has been piling up for days with Einstein not eating it. And mm-hmm. I don't think, I think that's supposed to imply they've been gone for a while, but considering that, you know, Doc had the plutonium crate also right next to that, I don't think they've been gone for that long. Yeah, they couldn't have. And, no. and, and, and you're, you're bringing up a really good point. I mean, 
the news is literally playing that a facility had plutonium stolen from it just mm -hmm. the night before. Yeah, just the night before. It's one day. So Doc Brown is knowingly feeding his dog crap the dog doesn't want to eat. <laughs> Consistently. <laughs> Monster. I mean, I mean that and and that's 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 almost like part one mm -hmm. of of the issues of Doc Brown, right? Because yep. there there's more to come. So part one of the issue of Doc Brown being a time monster, you know, it it really grows tentacles because the actions of Marty McFly going back to 1955 by extension of Doc Brown's decisions also turn into other things. And what they actually end up doing is really, you know, uh, taking civil rights away, or at least the inspirations for some of these civil rights movements mm -hmm. to happen. And when you think about it, like Goldie Wilson, Mayor Goldie Wilson, so the, the, the black mayor of, of the town, you know, he's, he's working in the diner when he first goes back. Yep. And he's already mayor in 1985. He is. Marty knows he's mayor. We see that right away off the bat in the movie when we, um, I think when he's roller skating, not roller skating, skateboarding around, I'm sorry. That was a lot cooler than roller skating in the eighties. <laughs> um, he's skating around and you see um, uh, the posters to reelect Mayor Goldie Wilson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Mayor Goldie Wilson is already, you know, he's already successful. He's already won the position, but by this experiment happening, Marty McFly goes back and essentially takes that free will away from Goldie Wilson. And I'm not saying that it's, it's, uh, it's truly as bad as, as part one of this, right? Like with, with what Doc Brown does to Marty B. But when you think about that as one isolated incident, okay, whatever, that's, that that's just kind of on its own right but then marty does the exact same thing to marvin barry when he sings johnny be good mm -hmm. his cousin calls him up and says hey marvin you know you know yep. that sound you've been looking for People. we'll listen to this yes. yep, yeah David. Mm -hmm. so like oh, we've oh, got that's it it's like what what did what did you know what did zemeckis and gail have against these guys right like yeah to... being <laughs> their own made men are now it's like oh well they're actually that way because marty mcfly made them that way <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. which by extension happens because of doc brown right mm -hmm. and and so even though that is like you know circumstantial right it's it's yeah you know take it or leave it but after looking at this film many times and seeing it this way mm -hmm. it's hard to not notice now right yeah it really is it's like is this like a like a i mean is it circumstantial or or you could almost it's almost i almost wonder if like you could view it as like a betrayal of how this movie actually establishes how time works because like you said, there should be like a resounding impact of Marty doing this, but it's almost like these things were going to happen anyway. And it's almost like, it's almost like the Harry. This is where it's like, it's almost like the Harry Potter time travel where these things were going to happen anyway. So even though Marty went back in time and caused them basically just meant Marty always was going to go back in time and cause them. And I don't know if that's, really implied that this that's how that happens in this movie or it's just meant to be um kind of like a fun little jab or stab by uh by zemeckis like oh that's the reason why these things happen is because someone back in time and did them um but yeah no very yeah i think maybe he just has something against the civil rights movement no i don't want to say that, that well and, and that that was mm -hmm. my next part was that i i'm not trying to say that zemeckis and gail you know necessarily mm -hmm. had a problem with civil rights but it's a really bad look it is right? a bad Be look yeah it's a tough sell it's no good yeah 
it's a tough sell mm -hmm. because we just mentioned that that time fluidity is not how Back to the Future views time travel. No, you know, not they, at all. They they rely on specific actions impacting others at mm -hmm. points in time. Yep, and so, then when those actions are changed, you create basically a new timeline, a new reality. Yeah, essentially, and so. That's why it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me that Marty mm -hmm. McFly would need to be the catalyst for these decisions or for these things to happen. Because if they were already going to happen anyway, just as you mentioned, mm -hmm. why even have them do it? Yeah. You know? Why do it? Other than uh, some, other than the writers just thought it would be funny um, yeah. or, or something more sinister. Again, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> the thought popped in my head, um, but it could be a bit, I don't know, could be something or it could be. Uh, just a really bad joke. Well, and, and that's kind of what I sum it up to after mm -hmm. after multiple continuous viewings of this movie is that, you know, yeah, there when you when you obviously view it through the lens of a, a normal thinking person, I would say a well adjusted mm -hmm. person. And, and I'm not referring to myself anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, these 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 jokes, these little sticks, you know, mm -hmm. like they they just seem plucky because that's how Marty McFly does things. He flies by the seat of his pants, no yep. pun intended, mm -hmm. but looking at it this way, they didn't have to happen. And, and now they have. So either way, we've got some, some really, you know, weird things that are starting to test even the fabric of this movie. Uh, even within part one, you know, we'll, we can analyze part two and three, I think together because those movies are actually shot together. Yep. So that, mm -hmm. that seems like, okay, maybe that one's a little more self-contained, Yeah. but within this, it just doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and I mean, I, I still can't figure out why you would even do it at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like what's, I don't see the point in making these, these, these subtle little jabs at um, the future like that uh, other than, no, you know, I just don't know. I'm lost on it. Why, like, why bother doing them at all? Some things, like, they do make sense. Like, like small, cute things. Like we said, like going from the Twin Pines Mall to the Lone Pine Mall. But why make Marty be responsible for these two? One, one legitimate African American uh, for for his success, and then the other for just the, the character's success. Um, I am lost on that. <laughs> but one thing that uh, apparently where where he does draw the line is doing the nasty and the pasty um, as, uh, as, as Fry so elegantly put it in Futurama. Um, he does basically see like, oh, my mom is young and awkwardly attractive um, and decides not to act on that, which case good for Marty. Way to not bang your mom. And, you know, I, I, will, I will equal parts agree and disagree with you only because... We don't. We didn't have Futurama yet, right? We didn't have it and, yet, no. Mm -hmm. And it seems like to me, there's better ways to solve problems than with incest. I'm. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> um, which, which also, you know, really starts to mm -hmm. examine other areas of this movie that are equally, you know, problematic now. Mm -hmm. um, which is why that was even the case from the beginning. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I obviously you understand you, you've got to you got to build a plot, right? And yep. And the plot advances because Marty pushes his dad out of the way mm -hmm. uh, and gets hit by his grandpa. But, you know, the, as, as we begin to peel back layers of this movie, there's, there's so many things that if you were maybe overly sensitive or if you were reading between the lines, mm -hmm. some of these themes are just really strange. You know, the, so we've, we've already got the, you know, we'll just call it uh, 
unwriting civil rights. Yep. You know, we, we've already got this, this uh, paradox of multiple Marty's, mm-hmm. um, which I will return to in just a moment. Yeah, we'll get back but, there. In the meantime, the, and, and at the same time, since getting we're on the subject of getting back to things, when we eventually do make T-shirts, um, we will have there are better ways to solve better ways to solve problems than incest be one of the T-shirts. You know, mm-hmm. I guess it depends on who we take it to because um, <laughs> you know there there are there are printers out there that will say, yeah, I'm not going to touch that one. Yeah, that that's not with the 10 meter cattle prod guys. So I'm sorry. Um, no, no, not at all. But if it's if it's me just making them, you know, with iron-ons in my basement, I'll make that shirt. I won't wear it, but if you're willing to pay me money for it, I'll make that shirt for you. Well, you know, the the one of the, the items I wanted to bring up here mm-hmm. is we we mentioned we're gonna get back to it. And I know I'm I'm gonna actually pull a Robert Zemeckis myself and okay. break my own rules because I know I've been Ooh. saying I want to keep this within back to the future one. Mm-hmm. Now, after hearing about, you know, Doc Brown, Time Monster, and we've got Marty who's being overwritten by time. Yes. There is one thing that we can look at within this universe that might actually disprove me slightly. Okay. Now, the only reason why I say slightly is because mm-hmm. there, there are a few people out there who have played the Telltale Games Back to the Future you know, uh, game. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, if you haven't played a Telltale game before, um, what it draws their inspirations from is the action adventure genre of games from the basically the late eighties into the early nineties. Um, if you remember Joe, there was the, the segment um, on the uh, documentary that we watched that mm-hmm. addresses this action adventure point and click genre where you acquire items and you put them together and you try to puzzle solve and uh, you have dialogue options, all kinds of stuff, right? Okay. So Telltale Games basically forms out of a bunch of studios that became defunct over time and people kind of move like schools of fish from one company to the next. So yeah, people got to eat, right? Got to make food, got to make money somehow. Yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. say not everybody's Freb, you know, <laughs> um, for those watching at home, once again, that's a very blunt gone in 60 seconds reference. Um, just wanted to make sure y'all know that and um, appreciate it. Cause we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there too. <laughs> so anyway, Telltale Games. We've mm-hmm. got the Back to the Future game, and it's a it's a pretty well made game that pays a lot of homage to the series. It's a really fun one. I, I enjoyed it, um, even though it's it's fairly amateur from even a Telltale game standpoint. They got really good at um, Game of the Year edition games with The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones, and and they really upped their game later on. But the Back to the Future game um, actually dives into the early life of Emmett Brown, so long before we're ever introduced to him in the movies. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert for those who haven't played the Telltale game Back to the Future. At the end of the game, once we've hit the climax and we've we've beaten it and everything, Marty is actually greeted by, by what I believe is five alternate timeline Marty McFlies, each oh. one with with different clothing, you know, each one saying well, there's a problem we have to solve. And I and this is the point where we came back to it and we know this is where we have to fix it. And, you know, the game didn't sell that well. So we never really resolve what is actually going on there. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> it's Ending it on that one. Ooh. Ow. <laughs> yeah, now I'm mad because I don't know the end of the story. And I didn't play the game. And I don't think I can now knowing that. <laughs> well, Ouch. Hey, so, sorry I ruined it for you. But the yep. reason. There goes I, the weekend. Thanks. Yeah. Ah. Well, I had to bring it up because mm-hmm. 
you know, if I, if I brought up this scenario acting as if it was definitive, then I would feel bad because I feel like I'd misled people knowing that information, mm -hmm. but that is the only amendment I want to make to this paradox. Okay. So what is possible within part one of back to the future? If we ignore the point A to point B time travel impacting events by changing points in time, it is possible based off of that game mm -hmm. that we could potentially have a Marvel cinematic universe version <laughs> of time travel. <laughs> And if you'd like to explain that, I will mm -hmm. gladly let you to our, our two viewers because we doubled from our first mm -hmm. episode. Well, I'm last on like, again, like one thing that I find incredibly annoying with, with basically any property that does this, and some of my favorite properties have done this, is when they don't want to explain something very well, you just slap the word quantum on it and it fixes everything um, because it's quantum. And it sounds cool. So going to the quantum realm and changing time through quantum principles. Therefore, if so facto, we shrink small enough, we end up bigger on the other side, we can change, uh, we can grab the infinity stones. Um, it made sense to someone. I'm lost on it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, so yeah, I can't go. I, 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 can't, I can't explain that time travel. Again, <laughs> also not a physicist. I teach uh, 10th grade biology, which I'm pretty sure is the threat of every villain in a movie who threatens to like basically destabilize the life of a, an accredited scientist <laughs> is they're going to become me. So just because I don't get it doesn't mean it shouldn't work. But come on, guys, don't just slap quantum on things and call it OK. Well, oddly enough, though, Joe, you did actually explain this earlier on because mm -hmm. that's ex so the, the explanation that Smart Hulk gives us in the uh, Avengers Endgame mm -hmm. is that if you time travel, you can't travel to the past, right? Because the new future you go to becomes the past, I believe is how he, he wrote it. Mm -hmm. Or, or you can't go, your present becomes your past is if, 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 if what the way that he wrote it. Sorry, I, I said that mm -hmm. incorrectly. So when you time travel, your present became your past. So your past can't become your future. Okay. Right? So mm -hmm. that's, that's the, the, the way that he explains it. I mean, honestly, I take it or leave it. I don't really care. It made uh, for a fun yeah. movie. Mm -hmm. Yep. But, but that, that's really the only way that whenever I thought about this, that how could we possibly make this make sense where you know marty b doesn't die right okay and and that's that's potentially it because of this video mm -hmm. game reference okay um there, there's potential for multiple different timelines that are getting created so we've got branches instead of a to b mm -hmm. um but the only problem with that is obviously you know bob gale and robert zemeckis they didn't know this they, no, they, they had they had no idea they weren't doing it they were spitballing and they knew it no no, absolutely not. So mm -hmm. in their lack of defense, what they did here was they murdered one Marty. Yeah. Marty B's out. Yeah. Marty B is out. And it's because mm -hmm. Doc Brown made that fateful decision. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. And I almost argue um, that Doc probably knew what he was doing even before he didn't rip up the letter. Uh, I would say that. Um, and, and you can't say this. This is totally conjecture. Um, when the scene in the movie, uh, 
where Marty catches Doc basically watching his recordings from the future. Doc keeps rewinding to the point just before he gets shot by the Libyans. And you can tell he rewound to that point. Oh, you, you hear him physically oh, yeah. do it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something like five or 10 times. Yeah. You know? He keeps rewinding it over and over again. So it's not a massive logical leap that has to be made that he probably saw himself get shot right there anyway. Yeah. It, well, and it's, it's true. He probably did. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think it's great. You brought that up because doc, doc Brown from timeline a, mm-hmm. we barely got to know doc Brown from timeline a no doc a, we don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. All we know is that he neglects his dog. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got some sarcastically large audio equipment in his house. For no reason. We don't know why that amplifier is there. What's it going to do? No. Really, it was made to fail at that size. Oh, it's it just, there's, there's no way. Or, it, it, or it gets sold to a, um, a club on a pier in New York. So that eventually when you have to take out the super shredder, you can just jam on it and it'll collapse the whole pier eventually i know i know i know the pier gets collapsed and shredder knocks down the planks or not the support beams but he got thrown into that ooze because of the massive amplifier that's where it went that's why it was made you can't tell me i'm wrong because i won't hear it <laughs> and and it didn't just crush shredder didn't that crush kevin nash wasn't wcw's kevin nash in the shredder costume i'm pretty sure wcw's kevin nash was in fact in that shredder costume yeah, and and that's that's just I won't let that stand either. <laughs> I won't I won't acknowledge that. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But but yeah. So to the point though, what's interesting here is that by creating the time machine, okay, I'm not. I, you you can't quite call it that Doc A was was this evil bastard, but Doc A is what turns Doc B into what he becomes mm-hmm. because of this. Because of him creating the time machine. He actually creates this monster, right? Because Doc B views the video that Marty brings back with him. And he then chooses to do all these things because of his own creation. Yeah. When he basically gets that validation from the future that is that is uh, Doc Brown A, he's more or less, I don't want to say encouraged, but now he I almost think he feels, un, he probably feels unstoppable. That he can go ahead and do these things now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you had unlimited power, right? You're like mm-hmm. Emperor Palpatine there. Yeah. And and yeah, that's that's what he those are the decisions that he ends up making. That's what he chooses to do mm-hmm. with the information that's given to him. And ultimately the the reasoning for why I, I think it's unacceptable is because he tries to live behind the veil of protecting the space-time continuum. Oh, yes. Which, again, like that veil is very, very loose, considering that he does he does tell that to Marty, like almost right away after like a, a small conversation. He tells Marty that, oh, you can't talk to anyone else. You haven't talked to anyone else, have you? And then Marty goes, oh, no, I kept my dad from getting hit by the car that made him basically have my mom fall in love with him. Um, and all we get is great Scott. Oh, no, too bad. Except Doc was totally OK with hearing that he successfully built a time machine before that. And, and then, like I said before, totally pries into future, into Marty A's like stuff and just watches the videotape from the future on his, on his own choice. And it wasn't like accidental. Like you, you saw he, like he had to like rig that like camcorder 
to work with his old 1950s TV. So clearly, um, Doc Brown B like does not really care about the space-time continuum as much as he claims to, or at least no. not when it comes to him. He's an exception to the big rule. As long as he turns out okay, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and seriously, he was like a, a pig looking for truffle when he dug for that camera. <laughs> I mean, he he absolutely dug into that. Now, this has nothing to do with the point, but I'm I am curious as to how he found a way to rig that up to that old TV. I mean, the technology was still pretty new. I, I'm surprised he was even able to, to get it on screen. Yeah, I don't know how it worked either. But then again, um, this is a disgraced nuclear physicist who I don't think at that point, actually, is he a disgraced nuclear physicist yet at that point? I don't, I don't think he is. I think he's still I think he's still doing okay in the 50s. I, I don't think he's committed until the the second movie, mm-hmm. right? Because you know how they have the, the second movie where he's he's committed in the newspaper and they show oh, him yeah. the street well, jacket. Well, even in the first movie, Doc... Um, when they're when they're at the Twin Pines Mall, the beginning of the movie, he does mention that like he basically spent his entire family fortune and resources on trying to develop the time machine, and that's part of why people thought he was crazy in the first place. You, you so, are correct, actually, mm-hmm. and and it's those experiments that actually led to him burning down his mansion. Yes, exactly, and that and, yeah, because yeah. yeah, he still has the mansion in uh, he, the yep. start. Yep, when he goes back. Yep. And, and it's because he doesn't have to do, you know, iterations of the experiments to make mm-hmm. the time machine work. Right. So, yep. you know, indirectly, the guy sets himself up mm-hmm. for a better life directly and indirectly. So maybe maybe timeline A, Doc Brown, is just as bad as B, because remember, Doc Brown A mm-hmm. also got in bed with Libyan terrorists. He did. Who, who helped him steal plutonium. He was totally fine with that. And then just what? He uh, he gave them basically a fake missile with uh, pinball machine parts on the inside and was totally fine with li- ripping off the Libyans. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, I will give him some credit for this, though. Yeah. I, I do own an old Bally's pinball machine. And <laughs> if you open that thing up and you shove that into a box and you told somebody it was a bomb. Believable. In the 80s? I'd say oh, it's yeah. believable. Totally. Completely. And... I did we were watching the movie like I almost want to say that there's a chance that I don't know if Doc A dies and this is probably mostly due to just budgeting because when you see Doc Brown get shot and he does when you when you see him die in the Twin Pines Mall versus the Lone Pine Mall it is identical um, we don't see him throw the gun because Marty just didn't get there at that point in time but He's in the same position he was when uh, Marty A left for the past. He falls down in the exact same manner that um, he did when, um, when Marty A left for the past. Everything looks basically the same. When you see Doc Brown A get shot, you don't see any blood. You don't see anything that indicates any sort of flesh wounding. You, ju- you see literally just gray holes being developed into his suit and he falls down. And when Marty gets a look at Doc Brown, a dead. Um, there is no blood accumulating anywhere, which again, this could be because um, it just wasn't in the budget or there was no time for it. And this is just a production thing, or it could be um, Doc Brown was never going to die anyway, because he knew he made the Libyans mad and he was just kind of prepared for it. 
even mm. though he claims that he they found me they have i have no idea how they found me sort of thing maybe he kind of just assumed um this thing could happen you know that's an interesting point that i i in all of my time analyzing this i've never even thought of um which <laughs> is surprising doesn't die yeah <laughs> maybe but, the doc never dies at all i was gonna say i mean th this this guy it just just seems to have um chance luck mm -hmm. you know t time is literally on his side it is and uh and that's that's an interesting point but i guess the one thing that that does you know changed a little bit is that uh even if he does survive that timeline's overwritten anyway oh yeah right? it's over it doesn't matter so even if doc a is totally fine it doesn't matter yeah yeah, it doesn't matter. That guy's not gone. at all. Mm -mm. But mm -mm. but either way, I mean, we we get to see two flashes of Doc Brown. Mm -hmm. You know, old man Brown and and young man Brown. Yep. And no matter which way you carve it up, they're both making decisions that you know are somewhat selfish. They're devious. Mm -hmm. They're misleading. Yep. You know, and. And and in my mind, it just it removes me from viewing him in the same light that I did when I first watched it as a child. I mean, yeah, yeah, and it's it, I mean, and credit to Christopher Lloyd's acting ability that he can definitely pull off this kind of whimsical, crazy and acute way, old man. When really, it's like I think he, he's crazy, but when yeah. you look at it, he's not cute. This man's yeah. a killer, and he will kill again. He will. Because that happens probably in the next two movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally okay with it. But again, we won't get into those. We won't get into those tonight. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll definitely come back to parts two and three. And, and mm -hmm. once again, we'll, we'll analyze them together because they were filmed at the same time, like we mentioned. Mm -hmm. and, and, and here's some perfect irony for you, Joe. You know how we mentioned the idea of trilogies in the first, first episode here? Yes. And how, mm -hmm. and how it, by, you know... Two, you know, the first movie made decent movies, so we're going to make two. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then three, we just want closure. You know, mm -hmm. I will say that despite all the things that we've mentioned about, you know, Doc Brown being uh, a killer, Stone Cold killer, yeah. mm -hmm. um, the movie still remains to be very entertaining. Oh, completely. Like, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Yeah. Who does? I mean, there are people who don't like the movie, but uh, I'm not in that camp. I really enjoy Back to the Future. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. I, I will leave you with one one parting note here, which mm -hmm. um, which might wrap a little bow on this, even though this okay. is bringing it into the real world. Mm -hmm. So when I was a child, uh, we visited Universal Studios okay. uh, in, in Hollywood, California. And we actually got to visit uh, the town square um, oh. where, where, they, where they filmed this. It was on mm -hmm. a back lot, you know, at Universal Studios. Yep. So... We actually went through, we got to drive around, you got to mm -hmm. see, you know, the whole town and everything. Ooh. But what would happen only mm -hmm. a few years later, it would be burned down. Crazy. Now, I'm not saying Oof. that the Doc Brown time monster had something to do with it. Potentially, <laughs> it's to clean up his own mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but maybe he just couldn't leave a trace. Yeah, he mm -hmm. did not want to leave a trace. No, no. and uh, and keeping with a tradition that um, could start or at least we did uh, in the last episode. And since you brought up the back lot, um, you'll notice in the, in the first movie, there's a great scene that takes place in that back lot where um, Biff is chasing um, Marty A out of the diner. And then he goes up to the kid, rips the, uh, the weird like wooden crate thing uh, apart. So it's just a skateboard and, you know, whimsy happens throughout the, uh, the square there. And it ends 
with Biff slamming into the manure truck and the manure coming out through it. Mm-hmm. Um, later in the movie, we find out that little maneuver cost Biff 10 and 300 bucks to fix his car, his 53 Ford. But if we count for inflation, just like of we course. did with Winston's 11.5 a year, <laughs> we can look at why Biff is actually kind of mad because that cost him 2944 bucks to fix in today's monies. That that's a lot sucks. of car wax. Yeah, that's a lot of car wax there. A man. lot of car wax and who knows what to get the manure out of literally everything in the material <laughs> and Billy Zane's hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that is an important thing that is a great moment to leave off on is that mm-hmm. part of biff tannen's posse involves a very young billy zane not to be confused with arnold Vosloo, lord imhotep himself <laughs> we're talking the dude from the titanic okay mm-hmm. who also backs up Derek zoolander and yes i, I love the fact that and billy the zane... phantom don't forget the phantom billy zane oh, is the phantom how could I forget? <laughs> People who don't have Billy Zane's entire catalog memorized, you know, they're, they're just not living a full no. life. And are they truly Americans? I don't think so. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> well, that's as good a time as any as I think to wrap this one up, to put a little bow on it. I'll admit... After having watched this film again recently, there's no way I can ever go back to seeing Doc Brown as anything other than a self-serving jerk. Yeah, you know, sometimes, Joe, we don't know where we're going to land. But this time, it was deliberate and very clear that Doc Brown is indeed a self-serving, time-manipulating, space-time continuum-destroying psychopath, which I still feel like is putting it very lightly. Either way, though, for more pop culture discussions, join the conversation on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook by searching for at Digital Dissect One or Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. Please also leave us a review, no matter where you found us. Tell a friend. This will all help us to keep bringing you more quality content. Next week, we'll be taking a slight detour from our typical content as we discuss the more intimate side of robots and the sex we seem to be obsessed with having with them. And until next time, keep on dissecting.